0: To go ahead and get started. That's normal, but let's read our verse together and then Charlotte, you can give you your announcement. Uh, Matthew 9 12 to 13. Now, when he heard this, he said, It is not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. Our series that we're going through right now is on being a role model, a disciple's call to be a a role model. And today's lesson is on, my focus is on kindness, as opposed to be, be kind and compassionate. Obviously, these words are tied together. And I want us to think through this again. You're a role model, it doesn't matter what age you are. You're a role model to somebody. People are looking at your life. You may not even realize that they're watching you, but they are. They're seeing you. You're a role model, even when you don't intend to be. Here's an example, okay? I've used this example before, but it's just a perfect illustration. You're driving down a highway. It's 65 miles an hour, but everybody's going 75. And you feel like at 65, you're almost a hazard. So then you start going 70, 72, 75. You're keeping up with traffic, right? And then somebody pulls you over and you're thinking to yourself, wait a minute now. This isn't right. All I was doing was keeping up with traffic and you pulled me over. Why were you keeping up with traffic? Because people around you driving were your role models. Right? What you do, you know, I, you don't have to raise your hand to this, but how many of you ever mowed your lawn because everybody else in the neighborhood had mowed their lawn and you felt obligated to do so? <laughs> yeah, you, you, they're your role models. Or people that don't mow their lawns, people tend to go, no one else does, so why should I? People are your role model. People around you, and you're a role model. People are watching your life. They see whether when you go to church on Sundays. You may not see it, but they're looking out the window, and you go, yep, there they go again. And they're watching you. They're seeing what you're doing. They're they're coming. To, oh boy, yeah, they're coming in this week. Praise the Lord, and to look at these things. So hopefully you can't see that over there. Hopefully you can see this one over here. If not, you have a lesson sheet that has it for you as well. And if you need glasses, pray about it. Okay? What does it mean to be kind? Now, every one of these lessons, I give you this sheet. I tell this often, but I give you a sheet with all of the notes in it. Uh, Some people like to leave blanks because it makes people, you know, they feel like they have to be proactive and they have to listen so they can fill in the blanks and those kinds of things, and that's fine. I, that's perfectly fine. The problem is, though, I think people take so much time focusing on getting filled in the blanks, they're not listening to anything else. They're just getting that blank filled. Ooh, I'm done. I don't have to listen anymore. So I give the whole thing to you. But it's not just for this class. I hope that you'll take it home. And maybe throughout the week, you'll be t- able to talk about this, maybe around the dinner table, pull it out and say, hey, let's talk about one of these ideas. And uh, I, I pray that that may be happening in some of your homes. So what does it really mean to be kind? It's the quality of being friendly, generous, and or considerate. What are practical ways a person can be kind to someone? Let's just do this real quick. How can you be kind to someone? Smile. Smile, awesome. Words. Say hi, what? Encouraging words. Encouraging words. Let them go first in line. Let them go first in line. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, exactly. Pay it forward. Yeah. When I do Instacart, I notice there's sometimes older people or shorter people they can't reach, and I'm like, you want me to grab that for you know. Or yeah, and hoping people they can't reach certain things. What else? Yeah. How can we be kind to somebody? Tip well. Tip well. I mean, think about the the, the various ways that we could be kind. Think about kindness. And it doesn't just involve money. It may be involve your time. It may be just involve, how about a card, a note of encouragement, an email, a, a, a letter, a phone call, just to let somebody know that you care or whatever the case may be. It starts with a specific attitude towards others. Someone read for me Philippians 2 3, a very popular verse. Nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. In humility, value others above yourself. So it starts with a specific attitude, right? Don't have selfish ambitions. Kindness isn't about Getting what I want. It's thinking about their needs first. Now, here's the worst thing that you can do. We can do this easily in class. Do you ever hear a sermon or come to class and hear a point and you think of somebody else? Boy, I'm glad they're hearing that. I hope God works in their life. Do that, you know? And it's easy to do that. But what I'd like us to focus on is to think about ourselves in the sense of, Lord, how can I be less ambitious for myself? How can I think of others before myself? I don't want to, help me not to look down on others while pumping yourself up. In other words, let others praise you. That can be challenging at times because, you know what, let me, let me, so, so, encourage, uh, Michelle, I think mean, you said encouraging words, right? Everybody, everybody needs encouragement. Everybody does. Encouraging words are vital in our personal lives. So are we intentional in thinking throughout our day with our spouse, with our children, with children towards parents, uh, towards family members? Are we intentional about being Time. In other words, are we thinking, how can I be kind? Not to get something. You don't give to get. You don't give kindness to get kindness. If that becomes your mentality, the problem comes in when you don't get kindness, you don't give kindness. And it becomes a cycle that is destructive. And so kindness is something that we should give. And if we receive, praise the Lord. But we give because it, it is what it is. It's, it's something important. We value others over ourselves in thought, word, and action. It is, there's a, from a biblical perspective, think about this. What you think and what you say may be completely opposite. But true kindness comes from a correct attitude. Because people can sense fake Real easy. But the Lord knows the heart, too. See, if God knows your heart, he knows when you're going, you're an idiot. Oh, here's, I appreciate you. (laughs) You know, think about that. We sometimes in our hearts condemn, but with our words, we praise. Maybe because we're trying to be manipulative or whatever in that scenario, or just trying to keep the peace. When we're in reality, that's a problem. It's a fruit of the Spirit from Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Antonyms of this word are harsh, callous, and indifference. It means to be cruel or hard-hearted towards others. So when we're not kind towards somebody else, we can be harsh. We're unkind, right? We're harsh. We're callous, meaning we don't care. Or we're indifferent. Whatever. Okay, that's indifferent. Whatever. We, we don't, we're not really concerned about what's happening. So ultimately, that indifference just really comes across as if we really don't care. We can be cruel or hard-hearted. The example of Christ regarding kindness toward others. Jesus is associated with those not highly valued in society. Who doesn't mind reading a long passage from Luke 19, verse 1 and 10. Thanks, Donna.
1: I can. Zacchaeus?
0: Was he a wee little man? <laughs> he sings in our car all the time. I love it. But think, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I love you too, bro. Well <laughs> think about this. When Pastor Jonathan's lesson and our lessons coincide together, and if you were listening this morning, this fits perfectly, right? Because it's the same kind of concept. In in Pastor Jonathan's lesson, he was talking about Matthew as the tax collector, and everybody hated him. Why are you sitting with, you know, why are you eating with sinners? Now, I want us to think through this. Here's an example of Christ. Jesus associated with those not highly valued in society. Jesus was intentional with those who were sinners. Now think about that. So you have Jesus in multiple situations is kind to those who are unloved. Why would he do that? Why would Jesus intentionally meet with sinners like Zacchaeus? Yeah. The unlovable lead kindness as well. Cute. Yes. Well, for the fact of the verse that we read, where it said, you know,
1: I think it's the to sin, Yeah. In, in other words,
0: yeah. He, he's called yeah. sinners. And the only way to reach sinners yeah. is to be around them intentionally, though. Yeah. Okay. In other words, God hasn't called you, a lot of times, teenagers mix this up they struggle in this area because they feel like their friends are neglected they feel like their friends are being rejected by the church and others because they look differently they act differently they associate differently and they want to hang with them the problem though is that many times our young people are so interested in focusing on being friends that they miss ultimately what is The reason Jesus associated with them? To reach them. them. The purpose of our association with the lost is so that they can come to Christ. Our whole intention should be that. Whether it's with our neighbor next door, who's cantankerous. Whether it is our boss, who's a jerk in Jesus' name or, you know, our, our, uh, someone else in our neighborhood, but person that that we just don't get along with, or whatever, long Maybe you can help clarify this for me, um, talking about the young people and being kind, etc. cetera, um, homosexual friends, okay? Um, to have them over, or whatever, talk to them with that intent of sharing go- gospel, Versus a homosexual friend that claims they're a Christian Right is there a difference with having them over? When they're claiming Christ versus the ones that are not claiming Christ Well, Paul addressed that uh, In Corinthians It's I believe it's in first Corinthians six but nevertheless That may not be the actual passage. Maybe seven, but the bottom line is is that those Paul addressed sinners who were living immoral sexually, and in those cases, he said to, to that they were to not fellowship with them nor eat with them. In other words, here's someone who's a follower of Christ who says, "I am a born again believer, and I'm living in immoral sin." Particularly sexual sin, at least that's what he's addressing there, and that says no, don't associate with that individual. Okay, and the challenge is, is that in our society today, um, in fact, Michelle and I were having a conversation regarding this very topic, um, not just with that issue, but many other issues. Um, how do you deal with an individual who says, "Well, that's just your interpretation"? Okay? Well, Christians, you Christians, know, those of you who are these kinds, you're like very Christians because you're not following the scriptures accurately. This is what it really means. And let me just say this up front. People can interpret the Bible any way they want to to accommodate their sin. I've told you this before. This is the humor of it. Okay? He says, I had a student in class say, when we're talking about the issue of alcohol, he says, I think it's okay to get drunk with beer. And I said, now, why do you come to that interpretation? Because the Bible says, be not drunk with wine, we're a success, and be filled with the Spirit. It doesn't say anything about beer. And unfortunately, that's why some translations change the word wine to beer. For that kind of a mentality to say, hey, get it. Well, then they go, well, what about... What about bourbon? What about whiskey? It doesn't say anything about that. Well, the issue is, and again, it's not the issue of alcohol I'm addressing today. It's the issue of drunkenness, which is clearly a sin. And from that perspective, it's like you can interpret the Bible any way you want to, to set your own conscience. And so because of that, you can interpret passages from Romans 1 as, well, that's not talking about homosexuality. That's talking about prostitution or non-monogamous homosexual behavior. You can interpret any way you want to and find someone who's a scholar who will say that's what it says. That's what it really means. And then you justify it. So the issue becomes, you know, it's like, um, those are the individuals who you don't debate with because they're not interested in truth. They're just interested in choosing a lifestyle that fits what they would like. Yeah, and, and the, the, that's what true tolerance is today. See, tolerance, true tolerance, is you put up with someone you disagree with. You don't tolerate someone you agree with. You know? It's like, do you believe, do you believe in Jesus Christ? I absolutely do, yeah. Well, I tolerate him. <laughs> that doesn't even make sense, because I do too. I'm not tolerating somebody I agree with. You tolerate someone you disagree with. But in our culture, you must believe that their idea of truth is just as equal and valid as your idea of truth, even if it's opposite. And that's why we're in such a convoluted culture today in society and world. Jesus was intentional about dealing with sinners. How can we be more kind? How can we apply Luke 6, 32 to 36 Luke 6, 32, 36 says this. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. In other words, if your whole life is wrapped up in Christianity or serving Christians. When I first got to Liberty in 1981... I started volunteering in the Christian service office. It was called the Christian service office. No problem with that. And, but I had a problem with the fact that at that time, Christian service was only service to Christians or evangelism. In other words, an evangelistic outreach ministry of some type, Men of Armor, which was a football team, you know, and they would go out and soul win and things like that. It was great. Those were good things. But I said, what about being light and salt in our community? So in 1985 when I got hired, thankfully we got to switch and we changed our name to Christian Community Service because we started to do community service. Why? Not with the intention of being influenced by the world, but for us to influence the world, for us to be light and salt in our community. And so when we go and volunteer at Parkview, the whole intention is through this process that hopefully some of these people will come to hear the gospel and they will be saved. But if we only do good, like, well, I help out at church, and that's great. Those are all good things. And praise the Lord for that. But are we intentional in some way regarding the lost? Is evangelism a part of our thinking, our process of living, etc.? And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. <coughs> Excuse me. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. And if you'll be, uh, you will be children of the Most High because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. In other words, sometimes we invest our time, our talents, our treasures with someone who can give nothing back to us. But we pray that through those activities that we will be intentional and the gospel can be presented. You know, that we hopefully can be a conduit by which they come to Christ. Jesus loved the children, even which the culture did not make them a priority so I want to just say again right now, thank you to each of you who have volunteered your time in our children's ministry. Whether it's with serving with children, with a Awana, with whatever the case may be, ministering to them. Because they really are our future. They are the next generation that's going to come up. And if we don't minister to them, who will? I'll tell you who. The culture. YouTube. TikTok. They are ministry. It's their ministry of the devil. Many of them. Not all of it. There's some good. Don't, don't misunderstand me. However, our children are listening to a lot of voices. They're hearing a lot of voices. And they're asking questions that we should be able to answer. So we should be prepared for that. Matthew 19, 14. Someone read that for me. So when you see this, obviously in the context, these children start coming up to to Jesus, and the disciples rebuke them. It's like he doesn't have time for you kids. Get out of here, you know. And you know, unfortunately, there are some churches that feel that way. It's like, hey, everything should be done for the adults. We're the ones paying the bills. And yet, the reality is, is that they're our next generation. They're the people that are going to be coming up. And so when I saw Jonathan baptizing this morning. Man, wonderful to see those children be baptized. They're the next generation coming along. And if we don't reach them again, who will? How can we show kindness to children and youth, though, without creating entitlement? Do we have an entitlement culture today? Absolutely. So how do we do that without creating entitlement? Or to be kind to one another. I, I think from my perspective on this issue, we, I, I, I've always appreciated Cheryl because one of the things that she tries to communicate, and I'm not going to get it right here, but her whole idea is um, you're a part of a family and you have responsibilities too. So for example, when our children, our girls were old enough to make their own beds. That wasn't an option. When they were how old? Kindergarten. Yeah. Kindergarten, they were making their own beds. Do not take that gift from them. When they were old enough to work, to do dishes, to serve, boys, you know, in case, you know, if they, they didn't vote, but teach them. I've shared this in here. You know, I, I took a group of college students from Liberty by the, where the Liberty Bell used to be. And literally, we cut down some, bush. it was just overgrown, it was nuts, and we cut them all out, and we needed to dig up the, the stumps from these arborvities that had grown over. You couldn't even see them, basically, the, uh, the Liberty Bell. And I got all the equipment there. I had picks, I had shovels. We were gonna, I told them how to do it. We we're gonna dig up these things. We had an axe there you know people okay we're going to cut the roots out and then be able to pull it up i said god i'm also do you know what you're doing yes okay i said i need to run and use the restroom real quick i'll be right back so i walked in and i came out and two shovels were broken (laughs) i said what happened well um i know you told us to use the pick to cut around the roots and then use the axe but we figured just pull it up with a shovel so we dug a hole and then we pulled back thinking we could pull up the, the, the stump, but it snapped. I go, well, then why did you try it again? Because we just figured it was a cheap shovel.
1: <laughs> and the other one it was already
0: pre broken, so we figured it would do it this time. There's a, there's a statement about when doing the same thing over again, getting yeah. the same results. How uh, long ago was that? That was probably maybe 10 years ago. But I asked them this question then. There was probably 10 college students, guys and girls. I said, "How many of you have ever used a shovel?" Not one. Zero. Zero. We do a disservice when we don't provide opportunities for our children to learn those kinds of life skills. It's essential to their life. We think we may be doing them a favor by just taking care of it for them. Or when they refuse to do it, we pick it up for them. No. Toys aren't picked up by parents. Toys are picked up by children who play with them. Okay? And if they don't, you throw them away. No, not the children. (laughs) Obviously, you don't throw them away, but you give an illustration. Okay, there's something, there's got to be something there that says, wait a minute, what's important to you? What's important to you? You've got to take care of, it. because are we stewards? And if we're trying to raise our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, we need to train stewards. They need to be held responsible for their stuff. They need to take care of their stuff. And that's important. Jesus saw the crowds. Oh, Will Kirk <laughs> And nobody's thinking, no, he's not going to get through this lesson either. <laughs> and neither did he last week. All good pastors have trouble getting through their lessons. Yes, there you go. Thank you. Thank you. All right. We'll close on this one. <laughs> Jesus saw the crowds of people and didn't complain, but saw them as a ministry. Stop. Think about that for a second. The disciples kind of got annoyed. But Jesus didn't. And it wasn't because he was on an ego trip. How do you feel about crowds? Coming to church. Not crowds at an amusement park. Not crowds at an event. But people coming to church in mass. Fourth of July outreach. How do you feel about that? Jesus was focused on that. He said when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. So stop thinking about that for just a second. When you see the masses coming to Thomas Road, and I can guarantee you, at events like that, and even on Sunday mornings, if Jesus was able to, to be there with us, he could be able to go, saved, lost, lost, saved, saved, saved. saved. He'd know who the... We don't. We don't. I remember years ago... Now, please, I say this because people get offended very easily, unfortunately, in our culture. And I don't want you to be. That's not ever the intention of when I say something. But we're talking 35 years ago. 30 years ago. Dave Adams became a follower of Jesus Christ. And... Dave Adams was the head of youth ministry at Liberty. He and his family went to Thomas Road. His mom and dad came to church one Sunday. They were both lost, came to church. The invitation was given by Jerry Falwell. And at the invitation, people started getting up and walking out because they wanted to get to lunch. And his mom and dad were kind of like, what's going on? And he's giving the invitation, and they're focusing on everybody leaving. And he walked out with his mom and dad still lost, and he was praying that they would come to Christ. But they were distracted by people leaving. Not that they were going to get saved. And he understood that. But I remember him in brokenness of heart speaking to the congregation. I brought my parents to church today to hear the gospel, and you were focused on lunch. I mean, come on. Do you have compassion or are you just focused on your lunch? And I think that's really where, it, when we look at people, we have to see how we can either positively or we may negatively impact them. Let me just tell you, I am energized by your presence here today. I am grateful that you took time out of your busy life to come to class. It means a lot. We're going to be gone. We're gonna, the only time we get to go is during the summer, so we're not going to be here every su- Sunday. I get that. There's no, no worries. Don't feel guilty about it. traveling. Enjoy. Hallelujah. Praise God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Now let's get a little Keir's (laughs) back. But when we think about what we do and how we live, do we see people the way Jesus sees them? He says, because they're harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers in his harvest field. So what he's doing is, you know what? We can't do this alone. In fact, I'm going to leave you, and it's your baby. It's all of us. It doesn't matter what age you are here. You can be a minister to somebody, and you can serve where you can. No guilt. Because it's wrong to be guilty, to feel guilty in doing something out of guilt. It's like typing. You don't give out of guilt or to get something from God. You give because you want to bless the Lord and want to be a blessing in this church. Not out of obligation, but we do it out of love. We'll stop here for today. It's 12.01, so I don't want to keep you long ago. I did the last time I spoke. It was 12.09. Like and somebody said, don't pray about that again. No. It's... Let's close uh, in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. And God, teach us what it means to be kind. Teach us what it means to be considerate. Teach us to think about others and what that really means. And to to actually, not just think about it, but to put it into action. In our words and in our deeds. We love you, Lord. May we love others the way you do. The lost and the saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you all. Have a great week.